Up next, the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. After this message. Now that doctors and patients have discovered the many benefits of hemp-derived CBD, Alpine Miracle's Nano Emulsion CBD formula is one of the most bioavailable on the market today. It's 100% THC-free, so you can order it online anywhere in the U.S. Order yours today at alpinemiracle.com. Scientists are just beginning to understand its essential role in maintaining optimal health. Get yours today. Use the code REPORTER and receive 10% off. Don't wait. Get it now at alpinemiracle.com. And now, broadcasting on Star Worldwide Networks, it's time for the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. Listen in as Snowden interviews cannabis industry pioneers, marijuana experts, policymakers, medical practitioners, patients, and other amazing individuals with compelling stories to share. It all happens right now. Here's the cannabis reporter, Snowden Bishop. Evergreen is calling. Hi, and welcome back to the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show. I'm your host, Snowden Bishop, and as always, delighted to be here. As I was doing some research about today's topic, the phrase hope springs eternal came to mind, as it often does whenever I think about how far we've come in the quest to liberate cannabis, particularly hemp from the darkness of prohibition. Considering the challenges we've had to overcome and the barriers that are now being broken, hope for a healthier, more sustainable and prosperous future is what has brought us to where we are now. As we discussed during our interview last week, social responsibility is a driving force for many cannabis entrepreneurs who often risk everything to a risky industry with the eternal hope that someday the barriers will be gone. Nowhere is that more evident than in the hemp industry. As an agricultural commodity, hemp has more than 20,000 medical, nutritional, and industrial applications that predate recorded history. As a cash crop, it was a source of great wealth for so many farmers until prohibition began in 1937 for reasons that can only be attributed to political power and greed of tycoons who sought to replace it with petrochemicals for industrial use. Now that the truth about hemp has been revealed, there is new hope for farmers and it's providing scientists with opportunity to transform the field of medicine and save lives with new cures where pharmaceuticals have failed. It's also providing a new generation of innovators with opportunity to create sustainable industry by replacing toxic petrochemicals with cost-effective, carbon-neutral, raw materials. Not only can hemp drastically reduce our dependence on fossil fuels, it also has remedial applications for restoring carbon, fixing toxic waste, and protecting our precious forests, water tables, and natural resources. When asked why they risk their own careers, financial security, and personal freedom to enter the field of cannabis, chances are most entrepreneurs in this field will say it's because they believe in its potential to make the world a better place. Most will tell you that it's the most gratifying career shift they've ever taken. Today's guest is no different. In his own words, I quote, If you give back to society and operate from the heart, the revenues are a thousand times greater and the process is a thousand times more effortless than not doing it this way. 
demonstrating that the paradigm shift is now upon us, reshaping whole systems and creating new realities. His words actually inspired today's topic, and I am very excited to introduce him. But first, Dr. Brian Donner has our Medical Marijuana Minute. What do you have for us today, Dr. Donner? Thank you, Snowden. Coming from a medical perspective, it is my opinion that cannabis never belonged in Schedule 1 alongside dangerous drugs that have no medical use and a high potential for abuse. This is particularly true of hemp, which has zero psychoactive effect and contains only trace amounts of THC. The distinction between hemp and marijuana was not well known by the time Congress passed the Controlled Substances Act in 1970. Since all forms of cannabis had been banned since the Marijuana Tax Stamp Act of 1937, the medical benefits of hemp had also been long forgotten by the medical community, so it's understandable that no one objected at that time. But why hemp was ever scheduled in the first place remains a mystery, especially when you consider that it was a lucrative cash crop used for industry and medicine. According to an editorial in a 1937 issue of the Journal of the American Medical Association, the AMA wasn't informed until two days before Congress would vote on the measure. Despite strong objection, it passed. Doctors were stunned to learn that cannabis, which had been used as medicine for centuries, would be banned. The benefits of hemp and medical marijuana are becoming more widely known with the advent of state regulation in recent years. We now have a growing body of evidence that cannabis is a safe and effective medicine. It also has a lower potential for abuse than some of the most frequently prescribed legal drugs. More importantly, we also now know that molecules found in the cannabis plant can be intrinsically important for maintaining human health and homeostasis. With that in mind, it seems that legislation to legalize hemp and medical cannabis is long overdue. While high-quality hemp CBD extracts can potentially be enormously beneficial for treating certain conditions and disease processes, it's not enough for patients whose condition require medicine that can only be derived from prohibited cannabis varieties. State regulation is a great step in the right direction, but it's not enough to protect patients from federal prosecution or prevent doctors from potentially losing their DEA license for prescribing cannabis to their patients who need it. It is my hope that with more awareness, Congress will realize the importance of passing sensible legislation to remove all forms of cannabis from Schedule 1 listing so that doctors and patients can take advantage of the potential healing benefits without the threat of repercussion or prosecution. I'm Dr. Brian Donner for the Cannabis Reporter. I'll be back again next week with another Medical Marijuana Minute. Back to you, Snowden. Thank you, Dr. Donner. Oh, let's get started. I am delighted to introduce Bruce Perlowin. He's the CEO of Hemp Inc., a publicly traded company with multiple divisions operating in the industrial hemp space. Bruce has worked in a variety of industries, ranging from the health and nutrition industries to telecommunications services. Today, he's focused on educating and transforming business in the realm of industrial hemp. Everything he has done personally and professionally up to this moment helped make him a leader in the hemp renaissance. Headquartered in Spring Hope, North Carolina, Hemp Inc. is exploring new ways to help family-owned tobacco farmers transition into profitable and sustainable hemp production. The company facilitates that production with the largest multi-purpose industrial hemp processing facility in the Western Hemisphere. Bruce is also innovating new applications for hemp in the oil and gas industries to help protect natural resources from damage caused by fracking and deforestation. And on the philanthropic side, he's involved in an amazing experimental sustainable community project known as Veterans Village. 
The bottom line is that Bruce is driven by his commitment to making America, to use his euphemism, hump again, <laughs> with a vision that comes from his deep desire to help the people and the world around him. He may love business and entrepreneurship, but nothing tops his love of people. His compassion comes first, and his success continues. So does the philanthropy. Bruce, welcome. Thank you. Wow, you really did your homework. <laughs> it's a pleasure <laughs> to be here. I'm so glad you could be here. Yeah, you know what? I was so inspired. I've been following your company, and full disclosure, I'm actually a shareholder in your company. I bought Hemp Inc. a long time ago when I bought a handful of cannabis stocks, thinking, oh, this industry is going somewhere. And it was actually even before I launched the Cannabis Reporter that I did this. And I'm glad I did. You know, it's been a roller coaster when it comes to the business side of this, especially in the securities. But I was really inspired when I was reading a recent release that I received about some of the things that you are doing. And what really sparked my interest, aside from the quote which I read earlier, which is very much aligned with our own business philosophy, I was very interested in the Veterans Village and also the oil industry applications that you're using to basically shield the drilling areas from leaks into water tables and that sort of thing. And that's something I wanted to jump right into. So tell me a little bit about that first. Okay, well, when you grind up a plant, originally it was a plant called Kanaf. It's a long, it's a cousin to hemp, and hemp does the same thing. So right now we're using um, Kanaf and a Kanaf hemp blend. When you grind it up, it makes a, a product called lost circulation material, or LCMs. And here's how you here's how here's how it works. Uh, when you drill a well, uh, an oil well, they have a diamond tip bit. They have a lubricant that keeps that bit from burning up, and they call that mud. And when you're drilling through cracks and fissures in the earth, uh, that mud that lubricant leaks out unless you have an LCM, uh, and the LCM plugs those cracks and fissures. Currently today, they're using these chemical concoctions, are uh, made of epoxies and resins and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, that, that's the, the gateway to the, uh, the aquifers. So we have the only natural alternative LCM on the marketplace at about half the price of the chemical concoctions they're using that are polluting and destroying the, uh, the aquifers. You know, and we're not sure how much of it's getting into the aquifers because some of these are two miles, three miles down, but it can't be helping the earth, okay? The only competitor to us in the world is a small company in Indonesia that uses ground-up uh, bamboo uh, for their lost circulation material. Uh, so it's, a, it's just one of the new uses of hemp that are not part of that 20,000 uh, uses that you mentioned. We keep discovering new uses, and this is one of them. So that, that's, that's what we do in our environmental issue. Now, when we grind it up, and we use it as a law circulation. We're grinding it up to 200, 200 to 325 mesh. That's like baby powder. It's really, really fine. The step before that, we grind up to the same material, the core of the plant, and sometimes we add the fiber in there as well, um, to 20 mesh, and that can that is actually an oil absorbent. So when you see these booms out in the ocean when they're cleaning up oil spills, okay, on the inside that is something... The Kanaf is the number one most absorbable plant on the face of the earth, and hemp is right behind it. So, again, we do a Kanaf hemp blend. We put in those booms. Or, like in the, the oil spill in the Gulf, we use it to clean up some animal sanctuaries where the animals are full of oil. It just takes it right off them. 
and uh, you know you can use it to clean up the oil in your garage or you know any place. So that's our, our our product of oil absorbance, chemical and oil absorbance. It's really wild because the cannabis plant actually has an enzyme that eats the oil. So within 24 hours, 25% of the oil that it's been put on has been eaten and digested by this enzyme inside the canaf. And again, hemp is, we mix it together with the hemp. Wow. So that's pretty interesting because I, I wasn't aware that it's almost as if it's like a type of natural bacteria. Is that right? Yeah, actually, just like hemp, canaf has an antimicrobial, antibacterial, and antifungal component to them. So, you know, if you wear hemp, for instance, in your clothing, I mean, if you wear hemp socks, you will not ever get athlete's feet or sticky feet. Uh, it, it counters that. In fact, the South Korean army all has hemp socks. You know, we haven't quite caught on yet in the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there are a lot of clothes that boast that same feature, but this is very interesting and it's actually really good to know because there's so much controversy over fracking and people are just worried, um, especially in the Midwest where you've seen a lot of contamination and even on the East Coast too from the fracking a lot of the water tables are being contaminated. And if there's a way to prevent that with a material that's not another petrochemical, which could also leach more toxic chemicals into our water tables, this sounds like a really good option. It really is. It's, it is a natural term. You know, I'm not real happy with all this oil drilling. I don't like it personally. I'm an environmentalist from the 60s. Right, so, and so I'm, at least I'm greening up that industry a little bit. But the other thing is we're introducing hemp and to that industry. And one day, you know, in the future, they're not going to be used, drilling for oil. They're going to be using hemp and develop biodiesels because we can grow enough. I think Jack Harris' book said of one the uh, the, the land service that we use for agriculture in America was used to grow hemp. We would completely eliminate our need yeah. for foreign oil. Yeah, I've read that too. And another another thing to consider as well is that, you know, not only is it, it not a carbon-emitting uh, natural resource, it's actually carbon-negative. So it's restoring carbon to the earth. But the process to manufacture it into oil that can be used for cars and making gasoline and that sort of thing, that's also fairly carbon neutral, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and also there's something else that most people don't know about hemp, because I've never read it anywhere, and I just learned it. Um, you know, we do a thing called the Hemp University, and the theme of the Hemp University, I mean, we, we teach people how to farm hemp, the farmers, and we teach them how to do CBDs, and uh, there's different themes to each hemp university. We do about once every six weeks. And a double PhD, Dr. Brock, is the head of the hemp university. He told me this. He said, Bruce, the research is in. I've collected it. It's valid. Hemp, the hemp plant, sequesters more carbon than any other plant on the face of the earth. No demand. So uh, just by growing hemp, we're sequestering more carbon than any other plant. And that's something, that, by the way, the industry does not know that. That's not a very widely known fact. Yeah. But uh, you, can, you can research and find the scientific research papers, and that is a valid statement. See, that is actually the reason that I became such a huge advocate for cannabis. Because um, I've, I've studied the climate, and it, I, my journalism was all environmental journalism-based, 
So I've done a lot of research on the unsustainable way that industry operates in this country and around the world, taking our example. <laughs> But the potential for hemp to completely reverse the trend toward the causes of climate change is just phenomenal to me. And I think that you're right. The uses, you know, once people become more and more aware of that and the importance of it, I think that that's really going to make a difference in perceptions about what hemp can do for our country and for the rest of the world too. Yeah, and that's you know, and that's just uh, that's just like almost a side benefit to what hemp does. You know, you talk about there's two major kinds of hemp that we grow ourselves and the industry is growing. One, let's call it fiber hemp, you know, which grows the, the tall fiber. You make your clothes, and I mean, right now I'm wearing shoes by Adidas. I'm wearing socks by Vital Hemp. I'm wearing Jeans, hemp denim jeans by Hemp Blue, and I'm wearing, wearing a T-shirt from uh, Enviro Textiles made out of hemp, so and a belt from Vital Vital Hemp. So everything I um, use, I wear, has is is made out of hemp. But that's the fiber hemp, the tall hemp. Okay, and we all—that's what most people see, and that makes the rope, and it makes the sails, and the claws, and and a lot of that stuff. Then then you have the CBD hemp, which is a smaller plant. Uh, which made it mostly a bud, it's maybe four feet by three feet by three feet, and that has medicinal properties that are just off the charts. It's a four-year-old industry right now in uh, CBDs, and it's taken the America by storm. I mean, everybody's heard of CBDs by now. Everyone's asking for CBDs. I mean, it's incredible. It's like the most popular nutrient that's popped up since vitamin C or something. It's, I've never known. I've been in the health food nuts since, for 51 years, okay, since I was in high school. And I've never, and I've seen all the, you know, acai berries and, and, and all the different superfoods emerge, you know, from blue-green algae over the years, just a massive dose of vitamin C and, and just vitamins themselves way back then. And I've never seen anything like this powerful movement and has grabbed the attention of, like CBDs has, because it works so fast and so good. On chronic pain, and 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 again, I'm not making medical claims. I'm just telling you what's being reported. Now we are in the process of collecting with one of the companies that I work with all the scientific research and all the scientific papers ever done on CBDs ever. You know, we got a, 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 a you know just collecting and compiling that. But no matter how much it is, the guy that's collecting it for us, he goes, Bruce, I know there's not really that much out there. There's a lot, but not that much. He goes. But in the next five months, my God, it's going to double, quadruple because now you can finally do the research for the first time in 70 years. Yeah. And uh, so you have the medicinal side of it as well. Right. And I, I think that adding, making it legal under the, the U.S. Farming Act to actually grow it in states where they've passed legalization on a federal level is opening up some doors too, wouldn't you think? Oh yeah, you know, and and, and in fact, when, because this recent thing, what, what Sessions said that he may go after uh, recreational marijuana or marijuana, that does not apply to hemp. Yeah. You know, I mean, because hemp is federally legal because of the you know the 2014 Farming Act, and I believe there's 32 states that have legalized hemp. About 13 are actively growing it commercially, and uh, and more and more every year. Last year we planted 23,000 acres. Uh, and hemp uh, you know, all across America. This year, I'm not sure yet, but I'm pretty sure North Carolina alone will plant over 25,000 acres. Wow. So 
23,000 is, is quite large, I mean, for hemp farms anyway, because I think that, you know, there's been so much trepidation until recently about growing it. So there've been smaller plots, family farms growing it. And, but 23,000 acres, that's pretty impressive. And that's in North Carolina, right? No, no, no. That's well. That's in the whole country last year. Oh, okay. This year, this year we tend to beat that in just North Carolina. Wow. Okay. Yeah. My my goal, Hemping's goal. Now I'm not sure we'll hit it, but I know North Carolina will definitely hit it. I mean, look, I've been around for a literally long time in this industry. I started the first publicly traded company in this whole sector. And when I was a kid, I was, you know, big marijuana smuggler in the old days. So I've been around this industry for 51 years, illegally or illegally. And I've gone to all the meetings, you know, city council meetings, you know, this meeting, that meeting, you know, in different states, different phases of the industry's growth. And you go in the first meeting is, you know, maybe 20 or 30 people there. In North Carolina, you know, now this is North Carolina, the South, right? I don't expect much. I go to the first hemp commission meeting. There was 200 to 300 people standing room only. And it wasn't because of me being there. It was because it was farmers that really want to go from find a cash crop because tobacco isn't king anymore. Tobacco has crashed and died in the South. And hemp is there is a, is a big hope in, in that whole region of America. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I would think it would be. And, you know, as far as the processes, too, it seems like an easy transition from tobacco to hemp. Well, that's what's so great about where we are in North Carolina, because North Carolina, unlike Colorado, where most people should be skiing, <laughs> and they still, that's a joke. I said, look, guys, you guys are skiers, we're farmers, but the point is they have this incredible massive infrastructure that doesn't exist anywhere. When you grow hemp, let's take CBD, the most profitable portion of the, of the marketplace, which most growers are growing now, you have to dry it somewhere. So in Colorado, we went, we saw an old Costco store that someone had bought and they had clotheslines strung over every square feet with hemp hanging up. I went to Oregon, there's these big giant warehouses now with that just do nothing but dry the hemp for everybody. Uh, they bring them in, they have special racks built and special pallet rackings done um, to dry it. Well, in North Carolina, they have tobacco drying barns. Every farmer has one or has access to one, um, and they're all over. There's got to be hundreds of thousands of them. They're perfect for drying hemp. All you do is you don't turn on the heat uh, and like you did with tobacco. You just run the air because you don't want to destroy the terpenes or the cannabinoids with too hot an air. It works perfect. You don't even have to modify anything. Then they have all these giant tractors. The guys from Colorado came out, and they saw these things called transplanters. If you look it up, you look up tobacco transplanters. In Colorado, to grow five acres of hemp, it would take you a week to two weeks to hand plant the clones. Let's say you're planting clones. It's a 45-minute job in North Carolina. Wow. Because they have these giant tractors with these tobacco transplanters that they've been doing for, you know, generations now. So the infrastructure exists in North Carolina. It does not exist anywhere, including even in Kentucky. For some reason, the infrastructure is much greater in North Carolina. But, you know, we like to work with that whole region. And we work everywhere in America. You know, we've got we work with growers from Oregon to, um, to Colorado to Nevada to Florida, where they just legalized it, to Arizona, which they, it's going through the legislation process right as we speak, and they'll legalize it this year. Wow. Um, 
So, uh, it, and it's good to see that. And we like to work with the farmers. And one of the things, one of my pet projects is that we, I want to prove on a piece of property, we're actually doing it. We're not just talking about it. We're doing it, all right? Because you learn by doing, or at least I do. Right. <laughs> and um, and we're going to show that you can make a half million dollars on a small family farm. And the components are there are three components and a mom, three major components and a minor component. A, you turn your barn into a cloning room because clones sell. You can sell clones for every hundred growers of cannabis. 90 of them won't want to mess with the cloning business. They just want to buy clones from the 10 that do. So every year you have a huge amount of people and growing that are not going to be growing their clones, but they need clones. So you turn your barn into a cloning room or you build a cloning room. You build a greenhouse so you can take the clones and churn them in a greenhouse or store them in a greenhouse. And you put, a let's say, a 1,000 plants per acre. And I have five acres. So that's 5,000 plants. On that five acre, that's a small family farm. Not five acres. If I can show you can make a half million dollars a year, I will have then brought back the small family farm to the American landscape, and that's what America needs. We're generations away from the farm, and we need to go back. Yeah. Well, and because the big agriculture is really not in this space yet, the small farmers really do have a unique opportunity to gain a foothold in this industry, you know, which will give them a competitive advantage later on once once the federal law eases up on hemp? It, it, it really will. And, and, and it's, it's, you know, people worry about that. You know, will big tobacco come in and will big... I won't work with big companies. You know, I won't work with the most Santos and, and, and big giant agribusiness. I just don't. I support the, support the small farmer. I build eco-villages for veterans. And by the way, the new one, which I've started, which you don't know about because I haven't really announced it, is for abused women and children veteran villages, right? But you take the word abused out because you don't want to label people, right. but it's for women and children. So there's a women and children, village kids community, and the veteran village kids community. So one's for our veterans and one's for our women and children. And that's where we grow the hemp. And those are real small. They're two and a half acre parcels. And you can grow an acre of hemp and you can make that same half million dollars on two and a half acres as you can on five. So that's the model I'm building with these eco-villages that grow our hemp. So that's all like, you know, a lot of small farmers on one acre. And it's much more effective use of land. You know, I mean, I think you produce four times as amount as food and productivity as big agribusiness would. And you house 160 families. Yeah, in most uh, regions, you can get about three rotations out of the crop per year, can't you? No. (laughs) Unfortunately, in most regions, you can only get one. Okay. That's why I'm looking very heavily... In, um, in Florida right now, because in Florida, you can get two crops. Now, what we do on this eco-village model, these better village kids community and women children's village kids communities, we end up building, we have 50 acres that's dedicated to support that in that community. And then we have another, the other 50 acres that goes out and, and buys two more 500-acre parcels. So the seeds of growth are actually built into the model from day one. So you're not just building one, because one's a demonstration. 200 or 2,000 is a solution. All right, so you're going out and you're building more. That becomes 50 acres of greenhouses. Now, you don't build a 50-acre greenhouse. You build it one acre at a time. Now you can get four crops a year instead of one or two. Right. So it would be the, it, you would need the greenhouse, well, except for in Florida and places that have year-round uh, warmth, enough warmth. 
to grow the hemp. Is that right? Or yeah, it's a four-month growing cycle. So, um, and then you have planting and preparing the field, and then you have harvesting. So, call it five months. So, I think in Florida, will be and in places like Hawaii, you're going to just squeeze out uh, two two crops outdoors. But inside and in, in indoors, you can because of light, the way we use lights and 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 everything, and, and you can. Uh, harvest the plants much quicker. You, you know, you, you can make them go to maturity quicker by fooling them with the light cycles. You know, light deprivation and and and, and where you can't, if you're outdoors, you can get actually get four crops uh, a year inside, growing inside. They call them nine in, in the medical marijuana industry. They call them ninety day wonders. I and so every ninety days you can get a crop, and I hear it's going to something like eighty five days. But the bottom line is we can get four crops indoors one or two outdoors. Wow. So I think this is really interesting, and particularly for our audiences who are in the Midwest, because we, we do have a lot of listeners that are in rural communities, even in states where they don't regulate yet. And I, th- I think it would be really interesting for them to know, let's say they have a family farm of 50 acres, and they don't have to go out and buy the land for it. What kind of investment are they looking into as far as getting started with this in order to get to that point where they can make a half a million dollars a year? Okay, well, I don't know the numbers yet because we're in the middle of it. The, the, the greenhouse just came online with the electric lights and everything. But we will have every single step of the way and exactly how much it costs for every single thing from the cloning barn to the greenhouse to the clones to the irrigation system. But if I had a family farm in the Midwest, I, I would either do CBDs or just do grain. You can make between three and four hundred dollars uh, a pound. Uh, I'm sorry, three or four hundred dollars an acre just for harvesting the seeds. Right? So just the seeds alone. That's not including the stalk. The problem with the stalk is nobody in America is going to buy it except me, and it's too far to ship if you're in the Midwest. I mean, I have this poor farmer in uh, Colorado who's got three hundred fifty thousand pounds of hemp bales in his field. Right. And with no one to buy it, I, fi- oh, you know, I finally, I finally, and we, we don't need it. We have 18 million pounds of canaf in inventory. But finally, just to help the farmer out, I said, look, buy a truckload. I told my, the guy that runs my company or runs the, the plant, just buy one truckload. Let's see what happens. So we bought a truckload. You know, we pay nine cents a pound for the stock. It costs 12 cents a pound to transport it. Yeah. Now, we may be able to grind it up and find an application for that. And if we do, we'll, we will ship it all and buy all 350000 But the point is that that's not a stable situation right now with the stock. Seeds, no problem. Seeds are really easy. They're easy to ship and they're easy to sell. But it's, and that's still a lot of money, three to $400 an acre. You don't get that on, uh, on most crops. Yeah, and then if you do CBD oil, you're talking maybe one to a hundred thousand an acre. But let's let's be conservative, say ten thousand an acre on CBDs, and that's you know, and and that's a little bit intensive because you gotta you gotta buy your clones, and that's they're expensive. Or if you buy your seeds, you don't know how half of them are going to be male, so you gotta call your field. So that that's a relatively expensive venture. But you know, if someone has fifty acres. I would tell them don't start with um, don't start with uh, fifty acres. Start with five. Right. Try try f- five acres of CBDs and or five acres of of uh, hemp. This is a new this is a new crop and it takes a farmer any farmer anywhere in America 
three years to learn to get on top of the crop. We've been growing canaps in North Carolina until it became legal last year, right? And it took the farmers three years to, to, to really get it down how to grow canaps because that's a relatively new new plant uh, crop uh, for them. And it's going to say the same thing. One of the top farmers in North Carolina planted 80 acres, as an example. 40 of them never came up. Why? He planted them too deep. He planted the seeds two inches deep. You're supposed to only plant them a quarter of an inch deep. So you make those mistakes. Some farmers uh, we worked with in Nevada two years ago um, planted them too late in the season. A lot of farmers in North Carolina, again, planted them too late in the season. So, uh, you know, but I call those million-dollar mistakes because no one will ever make those mistakes again because now the industry knows. Everyone in North Carolina knows. Don't do two inches, go one quarter of an inch. Yeah. Don't use nine pH water to water your clones with if you are going to kill them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as, as far as that, that overstock of hemp stocks, forgive the pun, that is available, how long do you think it'll be before we have the infrastructure in this country for people to actually put that to use? Because it, I'll tell you why. I was looking into using hemp and lime to do an addition on my home. And when I started looking into the cost of the shipping of this, it, like you said, it's, it's more than the actual uh, hemp stock itself. So I think that because it does grow so, so rapidly and sustainably and, and farmers that are growing it just for the seed can certainly use the extra income from selling off the fibrous stalks you know, or the, the cellulose material that's inside the stocks. I mean, how long do you think it'll be before we have the infrastructure to actually do something with all of that? Well, apparently no one's building much of an infrastructure other than myself. Most people that are going into the industry now and they say we're going to build a big processing plant, they're talking about building a CBD extraction plant. Uh-huh. I, not for the stock. Now, everywhere where I build one of my veteran village kids communities, uh, or women and children's kids communities, I put a 100,000 square foot building in that property. Um, and the model one, by the way, is north of Kingman in the middle of the desert. So we've been building that one for about four years now. And um, now I'm looking for land in Florida, North Carolina, Kentucky, and other places. So I will put in not a decorticator because the decorticator, to duplicate the decorticator we have in North Carolina is $20 million in four years. Uh, there's only five of them that size in the entire world, two in South Africa, two in France, and ours in North Carolina. That's somewhat non-duplicatable, but the mill portion, that's only a couple million dollars. And we'll be putting in mills and extraction equipment in every one of our veteran village kids communities. And that'll be a relatively organized, methodical rollout of infrastructure because you can grow all the hemp you want unless you have that infrastructure you're not going to be able to do anything with it like the guy in Colorado. So I'll, I'll be, I'm focusing in on infrastructure. I've completed the first piece of infrastructure, that mill, and that big processing plant and mill back in North Carolina. Now I'm working on the extraction infrastructure. And then the third piece will be the farming infrastructure. You know, just, and then part of that is building my better, better village kids communities and women and children's kids communities because that's where we grow our hemp. Remember, when you buy 500 acres, because these eco-villages are all 500 acres exactly, the first thing you do is you buy, you grow 500 acres of hemp. Right? Before you can build your first 
before you get the first blueprint to build the first house, I can plant, harvest, process, extract, and sell the CBDs in that 500 acres. And the ROI on that is somewhere around a low of $7 million to high of $200 million. You know, it's all according to how you sell it, your CBDs, retail or wholesale. So that's big enough income to start building these eco-villages. And now think how cool that is. It's not big agribusiness that's doing it. It's not Monsanto that's doing it. It's not big tobacco that's doing it. It's, you know, hippie farmers. I'm not so much hippie farmers. I'm a hippie from the 60s. But, you know, back to the land, grow hemp on a one acre at a time communities. Right. It, and, and we will get that infrastructure in place long before big business has a chance to jump on it. Now, in these 500-acre parcels, I mean, eco-villages, there's 400 acres made of two-and-a-half-acre parcels, which means 160 families. And here's why big agribusiness will never compete with us, or big boys will never compete with us. Each family grows one acre of hemp, each kin's community. It's a two-and-a-half-acre parcel. It's called a kin's domain. You can Google it and see what, it's, what that is. But anyways, you're going to have 160 families or 160 individuals growing 160 different strains different terpene profiles, different combinations of different things to affect specific conditions. What you t- what one person takes for, let's say, Rick Simpson oil for cancer, which is way better than CBDs because THC is the killer for cancer. So if anyone asks me, I would recommend uh, Rick Simpson oil. Right. Even though I'm not in that business at all. I am strictly in hemp with CBDs. I, but if you said, what about sleep? I'd say CBNs. Because CBNs is the most natural, the most powerful natural sleep aid known to man, and it's totally non-addictive. But no one's selling CBNs. I haven't found it anywhere in the marketplace. And then there's different terpene profiles that'll that'll target sciatica, one will target right. dementia, one will target death. Yeah, the possibilities are just endless, and it's just a matter of of people learning how to extract all of these different molecules and and then getting a market for them, because like you said, people aren't aware. But I'm getting a heads up that it's time to start wrapping it up, and I, I wish we could go on for much longer, because I'm sure that you and I would find no shortage of things to talk about. But what I would like to do is follow up with you about your Veterans Village as well. And I'd actually like to do a story on that, if it's okay with you, because we're very supportive of the veterans' efforts to liberate cannabis for their own use, because it's just been so helpful to so many. And we actually had a, the first Veterans March on the VA last November on Veterans Day. So I'd like to follow up with you about that um, at some point in the very near I future. Would. And because you're right, both cannabis you know, medical marijuana and CBDs from hemp, both are incredible for post-traumatic stress disorder right. and all the other conditions that our veterans are suffering from. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to learning more about the village, and we're in Arizona here, so I'd love to actually go up to Kingman and, and take a look sometime. But Bruce, I just have to say thank you so much for all the work that you do. I mean, your company is phenomenal, and I know that we'll, we'll be putting a lot of information on our website about what you're doing, and I'd love to follow up again in the near future and, and continue this discussion. So I have to say thank you for joining me today. 
Uh, thank you, and I'm available for you anytime. Uh, thank you. Okay, we do need to take a quick break, but when we come back, I will also bring in Rick Wall. He's another entrepreneur who's recently been drawn into the business for all of the right reasons. We'll be right back with the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show and Snowden Bishop right after this. Join us at the World Medical Cannabis Conference and Expo at the Pittsburgh David L. Lawrence Convention Center, April 12th through the 14th, and meet investors, networkers, new products, and professional athletes. Ex-NHL star Philadelphia Flyers Riley Cote, Super Bowl champion Marvin Washington, and more. Register today for early bird pricing at cccregister.com or by calling 888-316-9085. Again, that's cccregister.com com or 888-316-9085 presented by compassionate certification centers you're listening to the cannabis reporter radio show with snowden bishop so welcome back we're continuing on the topic of conscious capitalism in the cannabis industry and i am delighted to bring in rick wall He's another entrepreneur who's recently been drawn into the business for all of the right reasons. His impressive corporate background spans over 30 years of experience in managing, educating, directing, and overseeing multi-million dollar companies from startup beginnings to thriving success. He's a big believer in the power of network marketing and prides himself in his ability to inspire and motivate individuals with his intensely deep, heartfelt commitment to transforming negative perceptions that are sometimes associated with home-based businesses and new enterprises, especially in the cannabis industry. He was a principal of SPX Nutrition and has worked with top doctors and scientists to develop the company's premier line of nutritional supplements. He's harnessed his enthusiasm for aiding those who strive for success in all aspects of life and has spent the last 25 years as a mentor and coach helping thousands of leaders create successful online businesses and form winning teams. He has 30 years of public speaking experience, which I'm sure you'll pick up on right away. And he's been instrumental in the organization and implementation of numerous community action groups. He's recently parlayed his passion for helping people into a new enterprise called Alpine Miracle, which is launching a new nanotechnology that boosts the healing power of hemp-derived CBD products. Thank you so much, Rick, for being here. I'm so glad you could join me today. Oh, thank you, Snowden, for the opportunity. I'm actually honored to be here. Well, thank you for that. So I'm really curious to know, coming from the business that you've been in for many years, what was it that really inspired you to enter the medical cannabis industry? Well, you know, as you stated, uh, I've been into the health and wellness industry for a long, long time, <laughs> a little bit longer than I cared to, to admit my age, but I've always been intrigued with the fact of uh, that with the proper supplementation and nutrition that we, we truly can help our bodies heal in ways I don't think that people realize. And so as, as I watch things evolve in the cannabis space, and particularly um, the success that people have been having uh, from the cannabis industry, I was just intrigued by that because the stories that I hear and that I would read just fascinated me. And I thought, there's, there's got to be something to this because, you know, there, there really couldn't be that many people having that kind of success 
without there being some kind of validity to that. And so as I dove into it a little bit and I started to surround myself with people that have much more knowledge than I do and started to read and do research on it and look at the benefits and, and read some of the stories and see some of the success, I became just engulfed with excitement. And as I move forward into that and, and as it's gone, I'm completely blown away by the success that people are having and how we're truly helping to give people their lives back and live a higher quality life. And so I just think that, that the stories and the success that I was seeing, and now that I'm learning more, and by, by no means Snowden am I an expert, but in talking to people that are very educated in it and seeing that, I really think that this is, is the thing of the future, that I, I, I'm convinced that this industry is going to literally save millions and millions of people's lives and, and helping in so many ways. I'm just fascinated by it. You know, that's also one of the reasons that we're doing this too. And I mean, truthfully, it already has saved thousands of lives. And especially when you consider that some of the most commonly used pharmaceuticals out there are sometimes doing more harm than good. And when you look at the receptivity of the human body to cannabis, particularly hemp-derived CBD, which is something that anyone can take without any risk whatsoever, I mean, it really is quite fascinating. And something that I really loved about what you're doing as well is that you're entering into a nanotechnology aspect of this, which is going to be far more bioavailable, I think, than you know, some of the most common extracts and tinctures that are available right now, especially with hemp-derived CBD. So it, it really is going to do a lot of good for a lot of people. I'm completely convinced. But I'm really curious about your thoughts. Being an entrepreneur in this space, what would you say to others who are interested in getting involved in the cannabis industry? Well, I'll tell you, this industry really does need entrepreneurs. It needs people that are willing, you know, to, to, I guess we could say, step outside of our comfort zone and be able to help uh, others. And I think the biggest thing, Snowden, is I really believe that there's just a whole lot of misinformation out there, you know, and, and because, you know, the hemp space, the, uh, the medical aspect of it, there's just a lot of misinformation out there and people People hear things or they're misinformed things. They believe things that, frankly, I've discovered are really not the case. And so I think, you know, oftentimes people are afraid to, to get into that space. But it really is an amazing space to be in because you can, you can seriously change people's lives. You know, just to reiterate, Snowden, on what you talked about, about the nano emotion technology that we do, I think it's really, it, it's kind of where nature meets science. And, you know, the, the strides that have been made in this it just makes it so that it, there's so much to talk about it. But I think in a nutshell, for entrepreneurs to look at it is the fact that, you know, now we're able to take a product and keep the full plant bioavailability because I think you would agree with me that anytime we have nutrients or supplements or, you know, we eat vegetables or whatever it is, it's always better to have, you know, everything that's in the plant, right? Like we don't want to get vegetables and just eat a certain part of it. We want to eat everything in there. And so by having... What we have with the nano emulsion technology, we're able to extract clearly 100% of the THC, but then have that nano emulsion giving you the full plant bioavailability, which simply means you get all the nutrients from that amazing plant that God has put on the earth for us. 
And then with the, with the science portion of it, getting it down to such a, almost want to say a digestible platform, I guess, if you will, that our bodies are able to absorb so much more. And the bottom line is the stories have been phenomenal with that. So I would encourage any entrepreneurs out there, we need you. We need people to step up and help us take this to the world because we have a message, Snowden, to get to people that, you know, first, I think we need to educate them to understand the real story here and understand how powerful it is and that it is safe. And then we need to help and get it out because there's a lot of people out there that need our help. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I think that the nanotechnology really is something that is going to be transformative in terms of its ability to heal. And you mentioned that you extract out the THCs. And I think for so many people that are afraid of testing positive, if they have an OSHA work environment where they get tested frequently for illicit drug use, having a 100% THC free product is really quite beneficial. Oh, absolutely. And, and you're spot on. I think that's one of those myths that we, that we have that I think we all fight in this industry is exactly what you said. You know, a lot of employers and things now have to take drug tests. So it really is scary for people to want to, I, I think they want to try the product, but the unknown there that it may jeopardize their job. And nobody wants to do that. You know, especially military personnel, you have uh, police officers, firefighters, uh, a lot of government jobs. There's just so many people out there and so many employers that drug test. And that's the great thing about the product that we have with Alpine Miracle is that we're able to truly extract 100% of the THC. And I know that because, you know, I've seen it myself. I've taken drug tests. We've got lots of people who have done that. But again, it's that misinformation. And I think my personal experience has been shown that a lot of times, uh, people with your traditional oils, et cetera, will say that theirs is THC-free when maybe it contains 0.03%. The problem with that is, depending on the drug test that a person takes, you're exactly right. It could show up as positive, and that could jeopardize their job. And I think that's the beautiful thing about what we have. The patented technology allows us to gently extract 100% of the THC, so you don't have to worry about that, yet you still get the entire plant profile, meaning we don't damage anything in the plant. So you get all the good, I guess, without all the bad. And, you know, it is a valid concern. And I think that's one of the challenges that we have, Snowden, is, you know, we have to just have to educate people. But I can tell you, we've got a ton of people on it, from airline pilots to police officers, firefighters, government employees, doctors. In fact, a personal friend of mine is uh, actually a doctor, and she's been using it for a while. And she did a drug test, come back absolutely clean. So, you know, that was peace of mind for her and for us, too, because we want to assure people that they don't have to worry about that. Because that's a big deal. Yeah. And also, because it is full spectrum, I think you have a lot of uh, other cannabinoid molecules that are in there that work in tandem with CBD, which obviously is the most famous. So that's, that's actually a really big plus. I'll tell you what I found, Snowden, is, you know, I've been into supplementation, and, and I'm all about that. But when I see how fast this product gives people satisfaction or results, whatever we want to call it. It's, it's like nothing I've ever seen before. And I've moved millions of dollars worth of uh, nutritional supplement products with great success, but I've never seen anything affect people like, you know, the, the medical hemp does. And literally, I have people coming to me with tears in their eyes, thanking me 
for changing their lives. I actually had that happen with a personal friend of mine the other day, and it was it just blew me away. I was, I was speechless, and I didn't know what to say. Exactly the programmer that wrote our software program for our MLM company, and he's done it for lots of very big companies. Of course, he gets handed products left and right, and he just, just doesn't buy into it. He's tried them. So when I first introduced this to him, because we were just talking about it, and he told me he suffers with his back, et cetera, and how miserable it was. So I got him to buy a bottle of it, and immediately, like within two or three days, it helped. And so I said, how's it doing? And it was funny, because he's such a pessimist. He said, well, I'm waiting for the placebo effect to wear off. And so it became a joke. So I would check in on him every day or so and say, how's the placebo doing? Well, it's still working, but I'm still waiting for it to quit. So after about a month and a half, he ran out and the pain started coming back. So then he hurried and wanted another one. So I actually had to deliver one to him. So he ordered it and he used it and he went on his cruise and he came back and he, his kids just already assumed that when they went on the excursions, he would stay in the stateroom because he just couldn't walk that far just in pain. And he started crying to me, Snowden, a grown man, maybe a little uncomfortable because I didn't know what to say, but I was honored. And he was crying, could hardly get it out and said, I want to thank you for giving me my life back. Because not only was I able to go with my kids, I was hollering at my kids and their teenagers to keep up with me on the excursions. And then he said, my wife doesn't have to rub my back every night to get me out of pain so that I can sleep. And I just stories like that. I mean, you know, you, you couldn't buy that. Right. That's beautiful, actually. I, I love to hear stories like that because it seems that that's how this movement got started was hearing people express their incredible experiences with using cannabis products and especially CBD. I mean, it's such a universally useful product for inflammation. And that's amazing that he had that experience. And a lot of people also don't really realize that CBD is working internally because it doesn't have any, any outward signs that it's working unless people are in pain and it's working to reduce the pain. But the, yeah. the neuroprotective qualities, you know, you can't see that in action, but you right. can certainly see it. You can certainly see it after the fact. I'll give you one quick example. My husband was in Germany and had a massive stroke and wow he was one who had been afraid to take CBD products for a long time. I'd been trying to get him on it. He has MS. And oh. when he started taking the product, it was just after reassuring him that he's not going to fail a drug test for the work that he does. I said, you know, you really need to just try this and see if it were Well, he tried it and it actually helped with the spasms of MS. But what I later learned after he had the stroke, I spoke with a doctor who I've actually interviewed on this show before, who said to me unequivocally after seeing his MRI, he said, your husband survived this stroke because he was taking CBD. Wow. And that came from a, neuro, or a neurologist who's a board certified neurosurgeon and a triple PhD in brain and neuroscience telling wow. me that. That yeah. is awesome. It's powerful. So, Way powerful. Yep. But he, he really didn't see the outward signs that the CBD was working, uh-huh. except for less pain from the spasms of MS. You know, it was, it was very subtle what he noticed, but it made a huge impact on protecting his brain from a massive brain bleed. So, wow. 
Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Gives me yeah. chills. <laughs> I know that. You know, it's amazing the things that we can do for people. We haven't even scratched the surface yet. And that's, like I said, it's crazy. I mean, I've moved millions of dollars of nutritional supplements. I've helped people lose weight like crazy with what we've had. I've helped people with, you know, with an L-arginine product for blood pressure, cardiovascular disease. But I have to tell you, Snowden, this is the most powerful thing I've ever come across. And, you know, I wanted to get into the space for, gosh, the last couple of three years, but I was hesitant. And luckily, the people that I, I'm friends with that got into it, and, you know, the more I learned about it, I'm like, yeah, you're right. There's just misinformation out there. And then this particular product, because I think that was one of my big hangups, because a lot of my friends, you know, they don't want to fail a drug test. And so I think once I understood all of it, but, and I'll tell you, I, I guess my point is I've never seen reactions and testimonials like this product. It's just, I, 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 there's no words for it. So. And I like what you said about education too. And full disclosure, Alpine Miracle is supporting the work that we're doing here at the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show to educate audiences about the benefits of cannabis and you know all the many reasons why it's such an important movement and ways in which it'll transform human health as well. So for that, Rick, I have to say thank you for your support because we certainly couldn't be doing what we do without the support of people like you. And I think that this educational process really is so very important for our future and so many different levels. So thank oh, you. You know, a absolutely. And I got to, you know, let, let me just say for you guys too, the work that you guys are doing for this industry is absolutely amazing. And, and let me just give you kudos for you and all of your team of what you're doing really to get this information out and educate people because there is a better way out there. And so I just want to say from all of us who, who are invested in this and we truly care about people, it's people like you helping to get that message out to educate people. And I'll tell you, we are all very appreciative for everything that you guys do there. Thank you. That means a lot. I really do appreciate it. It's pretty exciting. We're going to do a lot of good things, though, and I'm glad that uh, we partnered with you guys. I really mean that. I'm very grateful. Thank you. Well, we're certainly very grateful as well. And yeah, I look forward to, you know, continuing the dialogue and continuing working with yeah. you. And we really appreciate your support. And, you know, I'm grateful that you joined us today. Thank you so much, Rick. You're so welcome. And thank you, Snowden, for having me and allowing me the opportunity. And uh, I'm honored. I'd love to have you back anytime, really. So once again, I'd personally like to thank my guests today, Bruce Perlowin and Rick Hall, for sharing their insights and knowledge with us. If you'd like to learn more about the work they're doing, please visit us online at thecannabisreporter.com and click podcast to find today's episode. I will post their bios along with information and a link to their website. We have a lot of people to thank. First, I'd like to again express our gratitude for our radio sponsors, Alpine Miracle, Health Terra, and Compassionate Certification Centers. We certainly couldn't be doing this without you, and we appreciate your support. I'd also like to say thank you to Dr. Brian Donner for our Medical Marijuana Minute update, Eric Goodall for our theme song, Evergreen, and our producer, Ed, engineer Craig, and the team here at Star Worldwide Networks for making us shine. And last but not least, thanks to all of you for listening. 
I'm your host, Snowden Bishop, inviting you to join me again next week, same time, same place, for another episode of the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show. Until we meet again, be safe, stay informed, share what you've learned, and make it a great day. Every color.